0: what's going on everybody it's your boy b date here for another podcast episode uh and this one adam and i talk about the news out of brooklyn uh with the firing mutual parting of ways whatever you want to call it with their head coach steve nash uh we talk about what that means do we think there's some people and some parties involved getting off a little too easy um talk about their contingency plan of about bringing in Ime Udoka. Uh, and then we, we become a little more positive as it goes on. We highlight the bright starts from the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. Two teams who were meant to be in the tanking race for Victor Wembanyama, uh, competing really hard and winning games that they probably were not touted to be winning, uh, this season. So, uh, we do all of that before finally wrapping up our uh, normal Wednesday show, fact or fiction at the end. Um, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys do as well. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, b Dates back for another podcast episode. Uh, we're recording this on the 1st of November, um, and this day will go down. as just a wacky day in uh, in sports history. Uh, on the gridiron, it was the NFL trade deadline. We had some cool trades happen, but uh, you guys are obviously here for the NBA side of things, and what better way to start off uh, today's episode than covering the crazy news from today, Um Steve Nash loses his job Adam and weirdly enough with these nets that's not even the craziest thing to me the craziest thing was who they announced they, is going to be their uh, their backup plan ime Udoka um, you know they they agreed uh, with Boston to um, meet with him and and basically ask for his services uh, so let's just start. With the firing first, Uh, the Nets were two and five prior to the firing. Adam, take this anywhere you want to go, man. Uh, Do you think it was too soon? Did you think uh, maybe Steve Nash was hung out to dry given the roster construction? Take it anywhere you want to go. But we got to start with the firing first.
1: So in general, I'm going to say firing your code seven games into the season like a general blanket statement thinking about the nba as a whole that is not even 10 percent of the way into the season yeah just getting going teams haven't figured out who they are yet i don't think steve nash had the locker room like in that kind of cliche term he lost to the locker room Mm. i think that was true of brooklyn and that has almost become an unwritten rule in the NBA that once a coach loses the locker room, that is the end of that coach's tenure in that city. Um, Additionally, from everything I understand, this was a very amicable split. Steve Nash was ready to leave the Nets as much as the Nets were ready to no longer have Steve Nash. So he's just going to like ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after and go back to California to play volleyball all the time or whatever, like he was doing, I think, before taking the Nets job. Yeah. The only thing that's really strange to me about it is the timing, in the sense that last night they won the first game of a back to back. Mm -hmm. So they're in the middle of a back to back, they win the first game and then they fire their coach before you can even play the second game and give themselves all of six or seven hours to figure Mm. out who's going to run this team tonight. Like I kind of missed the game. I had some other stuff going on, but it clicked with me at halftime that I have no idea who's even on the sideline for the Nets tonight, which as it turns out, it was Jacques Vaughn. They lost the game They blew a 12 point lead. And that's kind of where we stand now. With regards to
0: Steve Nash, at least. yeah, um, people who know me know know my stance on Steve Nash at, as the coach for this specific team. This coach was um, built with the intentions of winning a championship and winning a championship immediately. Um, obviously, when you go all in on the Harden trade, um, when you sign players like Katie and Kyrie in free agency, that's the that's the goal. That's the mission. So. In general, it felt like a weird appointment from the set off to me because you have this first year coach who we had no like even inklings that he would be a good coach because he, like you said, he was on his couch or playing volleyball or watching Tottenham. I know he's a Tottenham fan like he he wasn't doing anything in the NBA aside from like just watching games for leisure purposes, you know? Yeah, he did have a brief stint with the Warriors. Um, oh, right. And uh, with KD, he was like yeah. whatever, like his workout coach, whatever that was. Um, yeah, nothing right. serious, though. Yeah, you're right. Um, so to me, it was already always going to be a tight, like a short leash on him. And I did say, like, in our preview, like, I could see the team being really good. I could also see... Steve Nash being gone before Christmas. And, you know, (laughs) just just as you mentioned, man, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it like all these hours later. Um, You mentioned they blow a 12-point lead today against the Bulls. Jack Levine goes off for 20 in the uh, fourth quarter. It's just the problems obviously lie bigger than the head coach. And we know how this game works, man. You can't – you can't – blame all the players. It's the GM versus the coach in terms of who goes first. Um, and normally the GM wins because they have credit in the bank and things like that. But for me, man, the question's got to be asked about Sean Marks too, because it's, it's one thing to fire Steve Nash, you know, you're two and five, two and six now, um, after the loss tonight, but, For your backup plan to be someone who's literally not coaching right now because he's in – he's had some allegations against him that just aren't healthy to any workplace, let's just leave it at that. For that to be your answer to an already kind of in the balance sort of locker room with, you know, the Kyrie things, Ben Simmons, the guy you traded James Harden for not playing, not shooting – uh, an aging superstar in Durant, a kind of mismatch roster that is just too small um, in a lot of aspects. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like Sean Marks is getting off easy. That's my early, like, just haven't put much thought to it. But, like, I just feel like he's getting off kind of easy. And um, and it, I feel like it's not being talked about a lot.
1: Yeah, so, of course, what, what you're referencing without going into the details too much, mm-hmm. the, the coach that they hired, Super quickly, by the way, after the firing of of Steve Nash, it took like two hours to announce that the plan is Ime Udoka, the head coach that took the Boston Celtics to the finals last year, who has been suspended the entire season for, (laughs) as you mentioned, not uh, cultivating a healthy workplace. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's what Sean Marks does. Fires Steve match two hours later, brings in that solution. And what this is to me is that Sean Marks has doubled down on the identity of the Brooklyn Nets basketball team is absolute, pure chaos. Mm. It makes no sense. It's all just the whole thing is just chaos. You've got the off season, you've got the best player on the team demands a trade and mm-hmm. insists the only way he's gonna stay is if the GM and coach both get fired. Neither of that happens, he doesn't get traded. Everything just suddenly is fine. You have Kyrie Irving who just, everything that Kyrie Irving is fosters chaos. You yeah. have Ben Simmons, everything that Ben Simmons is fosters chaos. And now you fire your head coach to bring in the one guy in the NBA that is dealing with the most chaos possible. Right. What is going on?
0: Yeah. It's it's very strange, man. And it don't it almost feels in a way, it feels like Nixie. Like, you know how the Knicks were always that dysfunctional franchise yeah, that's gotta be involved. You know what I mean? Like it, it just <laughs> feels like It feels like one of those things where they're in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, kind of cowboys of the past as well. Like just, oh, we're a big market. We need to do things whether it's right or wrong. We just need headlines and we need uh, attention. I don't know. It just feels very strange to me. Um, Now, let's talk about just, I guess, on the basketball fit if we can. Ime Udoka obviously got a lot out of the Boston Celtics, as you mentioned, took them to the finals last year. With a group of players that, you know, historically, I, I guess you can say fell a little bit short. You know, they had uh, three conference finals appearances under Brad Stevens. And, you know, the first year was an overachievement. Well, well played. You you made it there. You fell short to LeBron. Cool. The next couple of years, I would say the bubble year specifically like, OK, the Celtics probably need to be getting to the finals now. Doesn't happen. They fall short a couple of times. Um, Eme Udoka comes in, Brad Stevens moves up, you guys know the rest, they make it to the finals, and they are two Steph Curry really, really high-level games away from maybe winning that thing, so in terms of a basketball fit, how do you see it going with Eme, do you think this is one of those things where, we, we mentioned his off-the-court off chaos, but do you think as a disciplinarian, like kind of how we saw him turn the Celtics into a tougher team, Uh, last season do you think some of those things could happen in brooklyn or you just think different type of guys different personalities they don't have the sort of physical tools that boston had to where they can make that their identity or or like i just what are your overall thoughts i guess on emay sitting in i'm gonna ignore
1: i'm gonna ignore the different personalities part because i just don't even know how to (laughs) put all of that together with this team yeah you know it's kind of tough we've only seen Ima Odoka coach for one year in the NBA, so I don't Mm. think everybody still has the best feel for what he is. But the early returns out of Boston, I think, were very, very positive. He, under his tutelage, Boston rolled out an incredible defensive unit last year, just as a team. Those guys locked down defensively across the board, including in a lot of time that Robert Williams missed. Mm -hmm. which left them kind of as a smaller team. And you mentioned that Brooklyn is a smaller team. They don't have a ton of size out there. And in those lengthy periods that Robert Williams was gone, Boston was kind of in that same boat. Like, yeah, they had Al Horford. They played Jason Tatum at the four a lot and still managed to roll out a really, really formidable defensive team. So I think that is a lot of what, brooklyn is going to be looking for from udoka is to make them tougher like you said and and really see that um you know be present on the defensive end
0: yeah uh another thing i was thinking of in terms of just because you mentioned uh and and you you had put it in our uh, twitter group chat this morning like oh shoot the plan is to go get udoka like you said like within two hours like they had their contingency plan one of the things I was thinking of is typically franchises do the quick move-ons when they can insulate their new guy and kind of get him some easy wins and I'm looking at Brooklyn's schedule here the next few games and I think maybe it's one of those moves where it's like hey we'll we'll scapegoat Steve Nash now we'll bring whoever the next guy is in and he can kind of get some games of like leeway under his belt right so They have the Wizards on Friday, Um, then they play the Hornets Saturday, Um, so back-to-back there, but those are two fairly easy teams, at least on paper. Uh, Go to the Mavericks, that's not going to be an easy game, but then after that, um, Knicks, Clippers, which might be tough, Lakers who can't shoot, Kings who have have had a rough start to the season, uh, Trailblazers maybe without Dame, and it's like OK, maybe they're, you know, fi- they found a soft part of their schedule where they can say, see, it was Steve Nash. It's not our guys. We believe in our guys. We believe in his team. Uh, we saw Joe Harris come in tonight and play finally uh, in a little short stint. So you would imagine he would get healthier at, at, in these uh, in this in of games. But, man, it just I just still think like. Again, I don't want to be the Steve Nash defender. I didn't think he was the right man for the job, but six games, seven games in for the for the reasoning to be Steve Nash was kind of selling the team short rather than these players just don't defend or these players are so KD and Kyrie reliant. Um, I don't know. It just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth from a organizational standpoint and like, We can trace this all the way back to trading all your depth for James Harden. Like maybe that's the move, which again, falls on Sean Marks. And I just think he's not being brought to the forefront as much as he probably should be if he was like the GM of the Lakers or the GM of the Dallas Cowboys or something like that. You know, I I do think he's kind of getting away with being the little brother in the big market.
1: So we we say that, and I'm absolutely with you about none of this looks good on Sean Marks, and we say he's getting away with it. Do we think he's getting away with it, or do you think there's any possibility that this is a desperation move? Mm. that he he really feels the heat he leveraged everything against putting pairing James Harden with the Kevin Durant and and the Kyrie Irving none of that worked then he flipped some stuff around into Ben Simmons who didn't play in the playoffs they get swept in the first round yeah. all the off season you know rigmarole um is that a possibility that Sean Marks knows his job's on the line and it's that desperation? I have to do something hmm. type of move.
0: That's actually a really good point. And I didn't think about it like that way. Um, I would probably say, yeah, then. I would think, you know, certain moves like that are the desperation. Like I mentioned, we see it throughout the history of the NBA. It's the coach makes his case to the owner, the GM makes his co- case to the owner. And, and one of those guys wins out, you know, the coach would say, Hey, I don't have the roster to play good defense. We're dead last in defense. Well, why is that? It's because we have guys like Patty Mills and Joe Harris and Nick Claxton who are defensively challenged. And the GM would be saying, well, we have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving make it work. Coach, the coach can't make it work. So um, that's like an age old thing. So that's actually a good point, man, that you bring it up. Maybe, he has been feeling heat, and maybe it is a well. This is my last card to play here. You know, we've had injuries, um, and maybe just Ime Udoka is the guy who can get across to them. But you know, we'll see. We'll see with this circus that is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I did want to touch on that in the first segment. We're gonna take a short break, and then get to some some positive news, man. We're gonna talk about two teams who. Uh, in our preview series, you know, I said, if these two teams start off good, I'll come on here and do an episode about them because I didn't really feel like talking about them in the previews and they both have started off well. That is the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. And we'll get into them right after this break. All right. So Adam, we're going to start with Utah here. Uh, Six and two record, <laughs> which third place in the West. Third best in the West. If you would have told me that before the season started, I'd have probably laughed you off the zoom call. Um, just a little overlay. They are currently the numbers are actually kind of surprising when I went through my little research here. So they're eighth in defensive rating, pretty solid. Uh just middle of the pack offensive rating, 15th, uh, as of Tuesday. Um but one thing that surprised me and I've only watched a couple Utah games for full disclosure to the to the listeners i've I've watched two games in full and you know just caught some highlights um, from seeing them win and beat all these teams um, fifth in blocks second in steals and the thing that stuck out to me man this team is six and two and they commit the third most or uh, they have the third worst turnover rate in the league. So they commit the third most turnovers per 100 possessions. So in a weird way, there's a world where this offense can get better, where, you know, they can clean up some of those mistakes. I, I, I've got to give credit to Will Hardy, their coach, uh, who they got off the Boston uh, bench last season. Um, he's found a really clever way to kind of mix and match these weird units with like Lowry Markin, and Kelly Olenek playing together and they got J- Jared Vanderbilt out there just kind of destroying things like well. I, I don't know how it's working, man. I really don't. It's, it's a bunch of guys maybe trying to get traded, and they're just playing out of their minds <laughs> so they can get out of there as quickly as possible. But I've been very impressed uh, with their start, and and I know you have been as well.
1: Yeah, it's wild that these guys are making this work to me. <laughs> and you, you said that, and I'm not trying to take away from the coach, but you said that the coach has done a great job mixing and matching weird lineups when you look at their roster there is no you know put these players together into a lineup that's not a win Mm. there's just not they are a incredibly mismatched group of dudes on this basketball team and some examples are are some uh, evidence i guess to support that per espn and how they classify each player into various positions The Utah Jazz, on their entire roster, do not have a small forward. There's not one. There's not a single small forward. They do not play in their rotation a single player who ESPN classifies as a center. There are two centers on the roster. That is Udoka Azabuki and Micah Potter, neither of whom have cracked the rotation. So Mm. they're playing small forward or a center because one position can't crack the rotation and the other one just doesn't exist. (laughs) Their starting lineup consists of three power forwards and two point guards. (laughs) They play a, they play a nine man rotation and Mm -hmm. all four dudes off the bench are guards. They don't have a single big come into their rotation. They just have those three power forwards who are starters. The whole thing is mismatched. There is no non mismatched unit. Yeah. The roster makes no sense, but these dudes are coming out here and they're playing hard and they're they're playing like they've been disrespected leading mm. into this season, which they have. They have been, yeah. So. Like no offense to any of them as individuals, but they have been, and they're they're coming out here with like a point to prove almost. It's yeah. kind of awesome. I love yeah. it.
0: I love it too, man. And I, I'm this is this team, and obviously the next team we'll touch on the Spurs. They are the definition of players don't tank organizations do because they, like you mentioned, man, they have no business being six and two and and with wins against some pretty good teams, by the way.
1: Yeah, to to just interject for a second, of their six wins, five of them came against teams who played in the playoffs last year.
0: There you go. There you go. And it's like they understand, like you mentioned, we're not the biggest team. We don't we don't start. We don't play a center, quote, unquote. Um, We're also not the most talented team. So what are we going to do? We're going to play fast and we're going to bomb a bunch of threes. They are second in the league this year in three pointers made per game, seventh in pace. So. A large, a large way to kind of kind of make up for the talent deficit is just change the math, shoot a lot of threes, if we shoot 60 of them and we make 20, we're going to probably be in the game because just the math of how many shots we take, quantity over quality. And, you know, if we're in a close game late, we still have really good NBA players on this team as of current. You know, Jordan Clarkson is averaging 16 and a half a game. Laurie Markkinen is turning the the best <laughs> like the best player in the league he's, yeah. he's 22.6 points 9.3
1: rebounds for Larry.
0: it's ridiculous man um i've been happy to see colin sexton back uh, after his injury as well um he missed i think if not all a large large chunk of last year um with the acl this year he's shooting 47 38 85 splits so mm. um It's got it's really it's just really good to see this team has a lot of guys who have been labeled as one thing. And most of those players, like I mentioned, Clarkson, Sexton, Markkinen, even Olenek, like these guys are just showing like it's never too late to add something to your game or just work on uh, or get better at something that you were bad at before, man. So I've really found this team dope. Like I said, I've only watched two games, but the two games I've watched, I had a lot of fun. Like, just seeing how hard they play. Jared Vanderbilt is going to be a big miss in Minnesota. We said that in our preview. Um, And it's just like, those are the type of guys, man, like Utah is in the perfect position because if if they decide to blow it up, which they probably will, those are more first-round picks coming in the door now rather than maybe two seconds if you start off like two and six. You see these guys balling and maybe you convince a team who's on the fringe, like, hey, give me your first round pick uh, if you want this guy on your team. So it's been really cool to see, man. And I'm I'm happy for Jazz fans that they don't have to suffer all year. You guys will suffer. Don't get me wrong. But you guys have had a, a nice little fun stretch to the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to come back around. I'm sorry to all the Utah fans. It isn't going to last. Um, and, and you know what? If it does, I, that, then I will feel great for y'all. More power come to here you. and yeah. Say I was wrong, but it's not gonna last. Uh, I, I do want to circle back around to giving a little bit more praise to the coach, as you mm. mentioned earlier. They have found a a good way to stick to some certain things that they can do well and get the most out of their players. In the Utah games I have watched, I have. Well, okay, we don't have a traditional big man who's going to play pick and roll and dive hard at the rim, but we do have some bigs that can shoot. So we're Mm going to play like kick and pop style basketball all the time. And you can either try to switch it or try to get out there with them or you can let them shoot these threes or that's Laurie and, and Kelly Olenek specifically that I'm talking yeah. about have been able to bomb threes based on all the pick and pops and then when they do switch it to be able to get out there and, and get a hand up in their face they've been sending Laurie and Kelly Olenek down into the post with the smaller <laughs> guy, throwing it in there to play the ugliest style of bully ball you will <laughs> ever see in your life but it's working. It's working. These guys are still bigs who are still going to go into the post and bully smaller players. It's yeah. not pretty, but <laughs> it's working. So just shout out to that. that. That's some neat little wrinkles that I thought. I never thought I'd see the day that I was going to praise Larry Mark and Kelly <laughs> playing bully ball in the post on smaller dudes. But, like, it's, man, it's awesome. I'm loving it. I'm loving the Utah Jazz right now.
0: 100%, man. Six and two, like you mentioned third in the Western Conference. Shout out to the Jazz and their fans. Um, And as we move from their surprise story to another, let's go down a little four-hour drive from where we live, man. Let's go to San Antonio, and let's talk about the Spurs. These guys are 5-2 and as of Tuesday night. Um, And, man, I've got to, as we mentioned, the Will Hardy praise – I didn't think Pop had this in him in the sense of I've won everything there is to win. I've accomplished everything there is to accomplish as a head coach. I don't like the rebuilding thing, the young guy thing, who the young guys who just don't kind of know institutionally what I'm about kind of thing. He's really leaned into actually trying to empower a lot of these young guys to be successful. So I've got to hold my hands up and say, man, well done to Pop. Um, I mentioned they're five and two, they are fifth in the league in scoring at 118 points a game, uh, first in the NBA in assists by a comfortable margin there and sixth in three point percentage. Um, the thing that I like about this team and, you know, again, it's a shout out to pop is typically we know the Spurs as they don't shoot a lot of threes, but they do make a lot of them. They don't play super fast but, you know, they're super efficient with the ball, low turnovers, things like that. This team has actually been quite the opposite. It's actually taken on a strong personality of the people on the roster rather than the coach. It's taken on um, a team that likes to run and gun. They're third in pace uh, with guys like Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell running the wings, Trey Jones kind of commanding the thing. Um, And they're actually the second highest team in terms of turnover uh, rate they they have the second most turnovers per 100 possessions so um, they've actually done less of the traditional san antonio spur thing and have kind of leaned into the youth so like i said i gotta i gotta credit popovich for that adam and i just think that true coaches they fit their scheme around the talent they have rather than vice versa and I just got to salute Pop for that.
1: Yeah, I think this is something we've actually seen from Popovich quite a bit over the years. If you think to the early 2000s, Twin Towers, San Antonio teams, and then you compare those to the Kawhi Leonard, older Tim Duncan, crazy ball movement playing against Miami type of San Antonio teams, they look very different. And then you see the DeMar DeRozan-led Spurs, mm. that way overachieved. That looks entirely different. We've seen possibility to to really morph his system around the players that he has and really get the most out of them. And that is exactly what you're talking about. They're a younger team with bad players playing at a super high <laughs> pace, shooting a rather high percentage of three-pointers, or a rather high amount of three-pointers at a high percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it is just it's pop being great and all of that I mean these are almost all the same things that we just said about Utah young team bad players high pace lots of threes knock them down change the math it's the same thing that's going on in Utah just with Greg Popovich like pulling the strings for it so it's, it's working very well just like it is with Utah he's gotten a lot of um, surprisingly big games from like random role players. Doug McDermott dropped 23 mm. in their last game. That was a win against Minnesota. Their very first one of the season, Josh Richardson came off the bench and scored 27 against Indiana. You mentioned Devin Vassell earlier. He's played very well That's a third year guy that Popovich has under his wing right now, scoring almost 20 points a game. And then Keldon Johnson has been kind of the leader of this team almost.
0: He's been very good. Uh, he's
1: yeah. averaging 24, 5, and 4. And his last three games, two of which were wins, he put up 25 points, 33 points, 27 points. So he's been on a little bit of a tear lately. Been real good so far for this season. He's like head on show of the young guys that want to run around and shoot threes and stuff. And it, it looks pretty good.
0: Yeah, man. Uh Kelden, as you mentioned. 46, 44, and then 80 uh, in terms of splits this year. So he's he's being efficient uh, from the field at the very least. Yeah. Um, The thing that I I like, and obviously they just had some rough news there in their own camp about the Joshua Primo thing. Uh, He was their first round pick last year. For those who don't know, basically the Spurs waived him uh, last season. Or sorry, last season, last night. Um, basically, there's alleged workplace uh, in, uh, incident uh, that happened there as well. NBA's on
1: what Brooklyn?
0: Yeah, yeah. You go join EMA, and they go talk about all the shit they did. Um, they go
1: be shady together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but but yeah, man. Uh, so for them to, to lose a guy who essentially was a lottery pick for them. And just kind of not bad an eye. Like Trey Jones will just get more minutes. He's been very good for them this year 13, four, and five assists uh, for Trey Jones. Man, it, it feels good also for the small markets because both of these teams made rather big trades um, with either one or both of their franchise players this year. And Uh, In the Spurs case, they got off DeJounte Murray a couple years before his deal was up and, you know, got a pick space package back. And that's looking good. It's looking like even if they bought him out like like I think Utah will, even if the Spurs bought him out, that's all part of the plan anyway. Um, So, man, Spurs fans, jazz fans, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. I'm talking a lot of crap because y'all will both probably beat the Lakers. like it's definitely gonna happen, and I'm gonna have to get on here and eat a lot of crow. Um, Hope so. <laughs> but uh, we just wanted to shout out you guys, man, because it, it it was only fair, you know, all these teams have you know we'll talk about later. We'll talk about the bucks a lot this year. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about all the contenders. Um, so we just wanted to be fair and just and highlight teams playing really good basketball this year, man. All right, last thing we do here on the Tuesday recorded shows is fact or fiction. And I've got some questions here for Adam that I'm going to ask him. And basically, he's going to let me know whether it's closer to being factual, or if it's closer to being fiction, and then it's it's just a overreaction a hyperbole sort of statement adam you ready i think so i hope so nervous and a reminder for the listeners this is not scripted this is not stuff we talk about beforehand this is just i kind of want to pick adam's brain get his instant reaction on my on my statements here um, well,
1: this is not something i was allowed to bank notes for i don't know <laughs> what's coming
0: all right adam first statement here for you the brooklyn nets with their new coach, Ime Udoka, will avoid the play-in and be a top-six seed.
1: Oh, fiction! Fiction. That's that's easy fiction. And and look, we didn't get to talk about what has gone well so far for them, and there has been a little bit specifically Kevin Durant one of the best players in the world is playing out of his mind so far, averaging 32 a game, north of 50% shooting. Kyrie is averaging north of 30 points a game. But what that says to me is that the two biggest things that you need to go right are Mm. going super right and they're still terrible. (laughs) He is not going to bring his terrible uh, workplace atmosphere into there and just fix all of these issues immediately. I I think they can still sneak into the play-in and then have the talent to maybe win the play-in and get into the playoffs, but no, not a chance. These guys are not a top 16.
0: Okay. Next one here that I have for you. The Minnesota Timberwolves will not make the playoffs. Um, We showed love to the Spurs. Uh, just a minute ago, they've got two losses against the Spurs. They've lost to the Jazz as well. Um, they've had some close games with like OKC without Shea, um, and they are currently, at the minute, losing at Phoenix. Which you know, no shame in that one. Phoenix is really good. Um, but the two big fit man does it? Does it? Does it correlate to winning enough? to get you into the playoffs. The Minnesota Timberwolves will not make the playoffs this season.
1: I think that is closer to being fact. I think that the Western Conference has rebounded pretty well and Mm. is back to being, I don't want to say the dominant conference, but I think the, the West looks pretty good again. I think Minnesota will end up in the play in, but not the play off. Okay. I, I just think there's there's enough good teams out there. You've got Portland. You've got Phoenix. You've got New Orleans. You've got Denver. You've got Memphis. You've got Dallas. You've got the Clippers. You've got the Warriors. That's
0: eight right there. Mm. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you put it like that, it's it's a gauntlet for real. All right. Let's go to the other conference then. Um, I touched on the Bucks in passing there. They've started off six and zero. My question for you, Adam, or my statement for you, the Milwaukee Bucks will have the number one seed and make it to the finals, fact or fiction?
1: And make it to the finals. That one's tough. I, I'll say fact. I, I will go definitely closer to being fact than to being fiction, um, I wouldn't put money on it because I have learned in my lesson about betting on <laughs> a team against the field. I like, could never do that. It's a terrible right. idea. Right. But I, I 6-0 and start. I thought last year they were the best team in the NBA. As of right now, I think, I mean, maybe the Warriors, but I think the Bucs could win it all. I think the Bucs are definitely the best team in the East. So I, I think they would be my first choice as the team to not only dominate the regular season and take the one seed, but to come out of the
0: East as well. Okay. I got two more for you. Um, next one stays in the Eastern conference. We will look back on the Tyrese Halliburton trade as one of the worst trades in the last 10 years. Um, so for context this year through eight games, he is averaging 22 points, nine and a half assists, four and a half rebounds. Um, Again, the Pacers, one of those teams who were supposed to be tanking and by all means, they're not very good, but they have had some impressive wins. They've beaten Brooklyn. Um, They beat the Sixers, I think, or if they lost to them, it was a close game. Uh, But Tyrese has been balling out. Um, He's shooting 49-44-95 this year. Uh, eight games through, of course, but those are ridiculous splits. And if you look at the other side, the Kings have not been balling. Um, the Sabonis Fox thing still looks pretty good, but when you have a 22-year-old that you drafted and you get rid of him um, as as abruptly as you did, and keep Davion Mitchell, essentially, um, the Tyrese Halliburton trade will be one of the worst trades. In the uh, that we look at in the next ten to five to ten years,
1: one of the worst trades of what time frame? I so basically,
0: yeah. I guess um,
1: ever. <laughs>
0: I guess uh, we'll just say the last ten years. We'll just say the last ten years.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fact. I'm um, already. I hated that trade when it happened. We
0: hated it on day it, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: that never made sense for the Kings, and now Tyrese Halliburton is absolutely falling in Indiana they're bad but he has looked awesome Mm. and it looks like he and Indiana's rookie Benedict Mathurin however you say I
0: love that kid
1: so awesome as well him and Tyrese look like they play really well off of each other and that looks like something that that could really be something in the next three years or so in Indiana meanwhile like you said Sacramento still doesn't have it figured out so yeah, absolutely facts will be looked back on as a terrible trade for the Sacramento Cans.
0: Okay. Last one I have here for you, man. We've mentioned East, we've mentioned West, we've mentioned um, we we mentioned guards. We're gonna stick with the guard theme here. The Atlanta Hawks will regret Cashing in, so to speak, on Dejounte Murray as the guy they decided to pair next to Trey. Um, so we talked about the Spurs making the trade, getting off uh, Dejounte a couple of years early. Um, they gave up three first-round picks along with uh, a couple filler players to get that deal over the line. And I guess my reasoning um, is just for three first-round picks, you're you're telling people in the league we're going for something we're going for some sort of major improvement um and for that guy to be Dejounte Murray um I guess I'll just read the statement back Dejount, the Hawks will regret choosing Dejounte Murray as the guy they decided to cash their chips in for uh to pair alongside Trey Young I'm gonna say fiction for this
1: one as well um I think regret is a strong word, and I do think they probably overpaid for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I still think, I, first of all, Atlanta hasn't been bad this year. No, um, no, by, by any stretch of the imagination, they're sitting at four and three, which at present moment is tied for fourth in the East. There's still a lot of you know time to play out. 500 team's not going to be fourth in the East long term, but I still think that. DeJounte Murray pairs well next to Trey Young. I still think their games can play well off of each other. I think he still helps cover for some of the uh, defensive deficiencies that Trey has. I think he can be a secondary ball handler. I think he can run the offense when Trey steps to the side. All the things that were said before the season, I still think are true. I think regret is a strong word. They overpaid. I'm not saying key to winning the championship, but I still think it all works. And will have positive returns overall.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, I think he could tell by how I loaded the question that I'm more on the factual side of that. Um, but it is interesting to see. Obviously, it's just been seven or eight games, and I don't know. I just get a little, a lot of your turn, my turn vibes from them. Which, to be fair, it's seven games. They haven't quite developed that chemistry. Yeah. So I do hear what you're saying. But- um, It's just interesting to see a team and a player specifically try and tell a guy like Trey Young, who's led the league in scoring and assists last year, like, hey, we want you to be on the ball less. You know what I mean? Like, how does that go over with Trey, who's who's had all these accomplishments, made it to the conference finals in his second year? Um, That's just something that I'm kind of monitoring long term.
1: Yeah, I understand it all they certainly still have room to grow in, in learning how to play off of each other. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like their skill sets mesh. They mesh yeah. Just my, my thought looking at it from, you know, 30,000 feet and seven games hasn't been enough time for it. Yeah. it. It ought to click, but I
0: think it will. Yeah. All right, guys. So if you've made it to this part of the show, I thank you very much. That is all we have for today. Um, Adam and I will be back on, uh, and you guys will hear that second show uh, on Friday. This one will drop Wednesday. So, if you're hearing it, any other crazy news from the Nets camp or any other camp uh, has dropped, um, we apologize in advance. Uh, but thank you all for sticking around. Adam, thanks for doing this with me, bro.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, just real quick, like a matter of housekeeping, you mentioned we'll have another one drop on Friday. That one will have my trivia segment yes um, I, I think just to kind of give you guys an update we're really trying to hammer a schedule of a show coming out what would it be wednesday morning and friday morning yep. the wednesday morning show will feature factor fiction at the end the friday morning show will feature trivia.
0: yes sir thanks for that and v-date signing off